0: This episode is brought to you by Push Messaging Gods Urban Airship. They can be found at urbanairship.com and by ThinkNear. Their location score platform delivers the most accurate location targeting available on mobile. Visit them at locationscore.com now. On to the show. everybody and welcome to untethered.tv. I'm your host and founder Rob Woodbridge. I am joined today by uh, probably, I would say, one of my heroes when it comes to getting things done. Because literally it is about getting things done. I've got David Allen here who is the author of Getting Things Done. Uh, And if you don't know who this is and you don't know what this is, I implore you to take a look at this. This is an entire methodology in a book. I sat down and read this uh, cover to cover. It's probably one of only two books in my lifetime that I've read cover to cover. And not just once. Many times. This is a book that I bring up every year to get me straight. And around this time of the year, at the end of the year, I do this. And then it carries me through. And I'm going to be honest, I am a half practitioner of GTD. David, thank you for doing this. I really appreciate this. You're live in Amsterdam, of all places. Thank you for coming on to TV. It's a real thrill.
1: Yeah, delighted to be here, Rob. Thanks for inviting me.
0: Uh, well, I, as I said, I, I, I'm, a, I'm a half practitioner. Uh, there are things that stick with me from this book and I pick one up and pretty much every year. I pick up a new habit every year, so it's a gradual approach. I'm a slow learner. I'm in my mid-40s, so uh, maybe by the time I'm 60 or 65, I'm going to assume well, that I will capture it.
1: Hang on a second, Rob. You know, One of the things that's true about getting things done in this methodology, it's a lifetime, lifelong, lifestyle practice. I mean, how good can you get at cooking or parenting or fencing or chess or the tango? There's no end. And m- managing the flow of life's work is is really that kind of art and craft. So I think people make a mistake when they assume my stuff is this one-time transactional, oh, I should then get time management or I should suddenly be productive using these tips. As you, as you know, there's instant value you get out of any of this yes. if you apply any of it. Uh, but we're not born doing these behaviors. So, you know, building them in and making them habitual that then they carry with you as your life transitions. Because I'm sure, as you know, Rob, as your life has gotten more intricate, complicated, and sophisticated or simplified, either way, we call it the aperture effect. You need to either expand your diaphragm or to, 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 to take in the more complex things you're doing, or you need to shrink it to map to a more simplified, you know, more uh, streamlined, elegant version of what you're doing, and it can absorb all of that. But as your life changes, your ability to be able to manage your ecosystem also is then challenged. So a lot of this whole methodology really is about building uh, a set of practices that allow you within your ecosystem no matter how big or small that is to be able to surf on top of it instead of be buried by it
0: is there a great definition is there one constant for you that that you you can never not that you can never give up like is there one thing that 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 I mean for me I'll give you an example is is you know handle things once like from from the get-go that has been something that i've applied to everything that i do not just in email as we move digital but also into mail is into like forms with my kids school it just transcends and your voice in the back of my head always like handle it once pick it up and and do something with it don't just put it back where you found it
1: well and by the way you need to you need to make sure that whoever's watching this understands handle does not mean complete. Right. Handle means decide exactly what it means and therefore where it goes and therefore how it sits in your ecosystem. So that's what you need to not avoid. That's what you need to do. So it's really engage with it in one time from an executive standpoint in terms of what does this mean and therefore where does it go and what am I going to do about it? But it doesn't mean you have to do the doing of it. It just means that you don't want that still spinning in your psyche as an incomplete decision or think about you need to have finished that. So, uh, you know, that's very elegant. So back to your question. The one thing for me probably is, you know, one of the things we we have made almost our byline these days is your head is for having ideas, not for holding them. <laughs> that's beautiful.
0: Right? It's so if you say,
1: if there's one thing that will I will never, ever stop doing, and that is unloading potentially meaningful things out of my head if I can't complete them when I think of them.
0: That is it is incredible. And do you find it, I mean, I'm just winging it, but do you find it... Uh, how closely have you as a student as the writer of this how closely have you um, mastered this or is it still a mastery thing for you or are you still learning new things every every year
1: I'm, I'm learning new things every you know I, you learn by teaching you know so uh, as the more I you know I, I'm actually have have there's a new version of the book coming out in March uh, so rewriting the whole book you know one of the biggest one of the biggest things that 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 the new book is, is, is has bringing about, is there's nothing new. <laughs> like, in, 20, in 2090, when we land on Jupiter, they still need something that serves as an in-basket function to hold potentially meaningful data. Somebody mm-hmm. still sooner than later better decide what the, heck the next action is on that thing so they can get off Jupiter when they want to leave. <laughs> so you know, the, the, These practices are eternal. So that's what you know. That was the elegance, I think, of the first book was it? It, it nailed the eternal practices of the methodology, but how how deep you can take this? Um, as I say, once you actually handle what has your attention, then you'll find out what really has your attention. Which, by the way, once you handle, will allow you the space to start to uncover what really has your attention. So this is really getting things done. The big secret is that it's not about getting things done; it's about getting present. So, you know, being present with your daughter playing soccer or with your, or while you're taking a nap or trying to rewrite your strategic plan or firing somebody or increasing your credit line at the bank. Being present is what's going to make you the most productive, if you will, in that whole thing. But what what really makes you productive is, is being able to not be distracted and have all your attention and energies available for a single focus on whatever that focus is. So that is really the essence of what this methodology is about. But we don't seem to be born doing it no so it's something we need that we have to actually learn to do and you can do better at so i'm still you know have my own refinements and challenges around the edges of this to to Make sure I actually, the problem is is the better you get at this, the lazier you get at all of this stuff, because of the more you trust, hey look I, I know how I know how to get back on, so I get to throw myself on big waves because I got an ankle tether, so you know I, you know the 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 more you trust you have a system and a systematic way to actually get things in control and get yourself back and refocused the The crazier you become, <laughs> at least the, the, the crazier it gives you that. And have you 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 must have experienced some version of that, right? A-
0: absolutely, absolutely. And, and you know, because there's so many pieces to this, and and uh, you know, I've, I've been doing this since since the book came out, and and but there's so many pieces to it that that I, I do I do get lazy, um, but I I get caught up in the the process of becoming. Uh, efficient right so I will implement everything at the same time and I think this is a mistake that a lot of people do I'll implement everything and in basket I will implement you know uh, tickler files I'll implement the whole nine yards and then it'll be it'll sit there and uh, I, you know I'll take maybe 15% of what I learned and apply it and and uh, and I feel confident that my systems in place I can't forget anything and uh, and oftentimes it's it's it, it doesn't end up right and I think that digital tools and I want to talk about this this is the big piece here is that the digital tools that we use uh, you know, I, I'm an avid Evernote user, but I don't use Evernote. I just stuff stuff in Evernote and I never go back to it,
1: right? I just Some, Somebody called, somebody referred to that as it's it's write-only. It, exactly. Read only. <laughs> it's write-only. It's like all I'm doing is inputting. I'm not actually using the data I've got in there.
0: It's yeah. there. And I got notebooks stacked with stuff, but I never go back and review. And I want to talk about, you know, the, the big thesis for this conversation is around the, the implication, the impact that these devices... This digital world that we're having is is on on productivity but i have one question before we we get there actually two questions one of them is uh i have two eight-year-old boys what's an age that this would be appropriate to start implementing you know gradually with them they're not strong readers they, they're they're woodbridges so they'll learn to read eventually i suppose they they do read but um is there an age limit a low age for this where, where we can start to adapt hold on a second Before I let David answer that question, we need to earn a living. So here is a message from our sponsor. One of our sponsors here is Thinknear. They figured out that the more accurate an ad is, the more effective it becomes. Then they built a company that does just that. One of their clients is Jeep, that iconic Chrysler brand of SUVs. They hope to prove that targeted ads made a difference on dealer visits. I talked to Brett Cohn, VP Marketing for Thinknear about the results.
2: It is we set up two test groups for GA. test group with unfiltered location data, meaning it's coming straight from the publishers and not being scored at all. And we had a scored test group where we put it through the location score platform and filtered out only down to the most accurate data.
0: Here is the difference between the scored and the unscored inventory.
2: It is staggering. 94% of the impressions were delivered in the target area. For the unscored data, only around 29% were delivered in the target market. So it just shows you how impactful that location accuracy can be in terms of reaching your audience. We saw a cost per dealer visit that was 35% lower when we used good data. It, it really drives home the point that if you've got accurate data, you're going to deliver a more engaging and relevant ad to the user base, and they're going to react to it better. They're going to visit dealer lots more frequently. They're going to engage with your brand. And if you're not using accurate data, it can actually have a negative brand experience in that people are not getting relevant ads. And not only does your campaign performance suffer, but it can actually have a negative brand impact.
0: Think near the reason you bought that Jeep. And now, back to David Allen. Is there an age limit, a low age for this, where, where we can start to adapt?
1: As soon as a kid can understand, look, here's a, here's a pile or a box where things go
0: yes.
1: that, that need to go somewhere else, they understand end basket. And as soon as they understand the concept of how would you like Christmas to be, what do you think the next step is that we need to take in order to get the tree up, in order to get nice. the things, in order to get your thing? You tell me, because I'm not a parent you tell me how old a kid needs to be to understand outcome and action and i'll tell you i'll tell you how old they need to be to start to implement this stuff cuz we've now got kids that are in their 20s that have been raised by their parents who got my stuff before these kids were born and so these kids have just grown up with the lexicon Keep everything out of your head. Use an in basket. What are we? What's the outcome here to this thing? I need to and keep track of that until it's finished. And what's the next action until the thing is finished? And these kids are just smoking the world out there. Their world is their oyster. You know, I mean, that doesn't mean they don't have problems or issues. We all do. (laughs) But these, but these, these kids are just surfing on top of it. So they've they've had it somehow osmotically from the very beginning because their parents demonstrated and modeled this behavior. You know, so. Uh, I would start as I would make sure you and your environment are just doing this and modeling this behavior and then that the kids kind of get that. And then as, and then as soon as you want to have these kind of conversations, there's nothing actually, you know, the, the the essence of productivity is what are we trying to accomplish? How do we allocate resources to make that happen?
0: You know, it's, it's crazy. You know, just listening to you speak, you've been doing this for how long?
1: uh specifically these t- techniques and behaviors since 1981 so you tell me what's that 30 33 years
0: that's a long time that's a long time um and and i mean when you when you launched this book what was the reaction to gtd i mean i i i come from a developer background so almost immediately the development community the software development community it just ate this up they started not only applying it but building software applications in order to support it to make sure that it can actually uh, be a part of their lives. But what was the what was the reaction when when the book came out? The first version. Well,
1: you know the the hardback came out in two thousand and one. Yeah. And so all the all the techies are not buying hardbacks. It, 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 <laughs> come on. It, it 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 hit the tech community. Uh, as really the first non-tech meme that went through the tech community in '83, when it in, in 2003 when it went to paperback. Right. As right. soon as it went to paper, and that also um, that was simultaneous with the blog world. Yes. So the bloggers caught onto this, and people like Guy Kawasaki and and you know and, and you know all the all the the top early bloggers and tweeters or whatever caught this. So it spread through that world and. You know, as I wrote in my last book, you know, the, one of the reasons this hit so hard in the tech community is the tech folks are almost as lazy as I am. <laughs> their, their, whole, their whole world is how do we leverage stuff to make things easier. The tech folks are the hardest working people in the world to, about how to assist people in not working hard, you know, which is funny. Uh, and, and it also, to your point, what it did was it turbocharged it, put on steroids their favorite tools anyway. It gave them a thought process model that they could use those tools to apply. And because, as you know, GTD is is tech is, is tool independent, yep. uh, it, it allowed you to use whatever you wanted to do to be able to then build what we now are calling the external brain, which we know is, is just a requirement for, for survival and, you know, these days. You know, not keeping it in your head. So any of these tools, so you could ec- objectify what your work is, and then use these tools as reminding, remembering, and reminding. You know, functions that that hit a nerve instantly yeah. with, the, and the tech community was sort of on the bleeding edge of the overwhelm of, you know, information and inf- information flow and and change and startups and all that stuff. So it it was very ripe for that world indeed. Um,
0: have you had have you had stories of, of people coming up to you um, throughout all these years? Obviously, you have that that uh, where, where lives have, have been changed as a result of what your methodology has brought to their lives.
1: Oh, almost every day I get an email or something from somebody. Is there else. one
0: significant that you can think of that I'm putting you on the spot here, David? But uh, you know, because this is as we have said at the beginning, this is this is a gradual process that this methodology soaks in, and you learn as you go. Um, but the changes i've seen it the changes in lives uh, as a result of something like this can be profound
1: oh yeah there's well there's one or two i mean some of them are uh, you know I, I just for discretionary sake I, I i couldn't tell you specifically but in general it's the most productive people that have thrown themselves most out of control and oftentimes those are the people who get the most out of this hmm. it's like wow it relieved a huge amount of pain because it's the you know it, 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 there's a strange paradox is the people who need this methodology the least are the people who take to it the most. because <laughs> it's the most productive people that are most aware of drag on their system, and yeah. what this does is it relieves drag on your system. So you know if you're not moving, getting rid of drag is a drag. But if you're trying to get to improve life, your your situation, or if you're trying to flourish in some way, and you're feeling resistance to that, uh, for whatever reason, uh, what this does is it it removes residue and dross out of your psyche, and it gives you more space, more creative space, to be able to do that. You know, the person who's come out, who's who, who's who's really very much, you know, you know, out about his GTD um, championship and how much it changed his life, and is absolutely critical as Howard Stern. So you know, if you listen to Howard, you know, he's 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 one of the biggest fanboys, you know, of GTD. He's talked about it now for months. You know, in terms of, you know, he got coaching from us and it just it totally changed his life, opened up all kinds of creative space inside of him. And he'd tell you that because he says it on air. Yes.
0: Yeah. So,
1: so, and what's interesting is in a way, people often think, you know, productivity as a word has a lot of baggage. People think of business or busyness when they think of productivity. They don't think about, wait a minute, you know, we had a, you know, a, a rock musician in his 20s. This was, um, uh, Evan Tabenfeld, who was Avril Levine's guitarist and producer, right? And and he said before GTD, he started a hundred songs a year. After GTD, he finished a hundred songs a year. <laughs> you know, so the, the idea that the creative and spontaneous and intuitive side of life is somehow limited by a methodology that has to do with uh, clean edges, making decisions, you know, and 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 a version of organization um, is. Is really where where I think the real juice is. So that's probably the most profound stuff. Is people realizing this is not about working harder; it's about having space. Because how much time does it take to have a good idea? Zero. Right. How much time does it take to refocus? Zero. How much time does it take to be creative? Zero. You don't need time, but you need room. If you don't have room inside your head and you're distracted, then you don't have. You're not able to optimize your cognitive function. And that's a lot of what's happened, by the way, since the book was written. Uh, Since Getting Things Done was written in 2001, the last 10 years, a lot of data has shown up from the cognitive scientists that basically have validated that this real truth is your brain is really not designed to hang on to stuff. It's really designed to keep track of about four things max. And it does that very well. And it also recognizes patterns very well, which computers can't even do that well yet. So you walk into a room. That's that. That's that. That's that, that. That that. You're using long-term memory and pattern recognition, and you're making sense out of your world. You can't stop doing that. Mm-hmm. That's a naturally evolved survival skill. Gee, there's a bear. They probably could eat me. I'm going to run away, <laughs> right? So you learned that one a long time ago. But we've actually only learned to externalize, you know, in any kind of a formal way. Uh, our thinking and our thoughts and reminders about things for the last 10,000 years when writing really started to show up, but the brain has evolved over a much longer period of time, so it hasn't caught up. The brain hasn't evolved now to keep track of 3,000 emails sitting in your in-basket and (laughs) all this other stuff, so you know, the whole idea is we, we now have to have behaviors that allow the brain to get simple again so that it does what it does well. And so you need the space to be able to only focus on three or four significant things you know, at a time. And so you know, you know, the kind of paradoxical thing, uh, the counterintuitive part of what I teach is that you need to handle the not-so-important stuff so it doesn't you know, suck energy out of the really important stuff. So when you, you, know, when you say, I need cat food... As soon as that occurs twice in your head, that just indicates you're inappropriately involved with your cat. You're taking up mental and cognitive space with something that does not deserve that. Right. But you can't just ignore it or go to sleep about it or drink about it or try to go unconscious about it. It won't stop. You know? <laughs> so <laughs> understanding that algorithm, is, and that's, I think, over, over the years that I've been working with this material, was understanding more and more about why this stuff worked. I just started to work it very practically. I, you know, I had some great mentors that taught me pieces of this, and I watched how profound this was just for my own psyche when I began to implement some of these practices. And then when I turned around and started to share those things with my consulting clients, you know, startups and, and entrepreneurs or whatever, every one of them, without exception, got more space, got more clarity, got more sense of control, got more inspiration, unlocked their creative energy, and that's been no exception for 33 years. So, it's
0: a, it's incredible. Uh, how was this was this preordained? Is this the, the spot that you were supposed to be? I, I don't ask these questions very often, but I'm very interested in this because this, this is a very interesting path that you've taken over the last 33 years to be able to do this. Um, how did it all start? Like, where, where does something like this emanate from? Uh, <laughs> you know, what was the first inkling that you said? Hey, Listen. 35 years ago, I'm going to I'm going to do this and I'm going to I'm going to move into this space and I'm going to become this guy as uh, as you've eventually become GTD guy, right?
1: I got attracted to clear space uh, through several different avenues. Uh, One was the martial arts. You know, high levels of training and that has a lot to do with clear your mind. Because when you're jumped by four people in a dark alley, you cannot be distracted by three thousand unprocessed emails. <laughs> you know, and, and function appropriately. And that's a very there's a very practical. There are a lot of very practical techniques: meditation, focus on your breathing, or whatever. You know, if you're in serious pain, focus on your breathing. It gets you present because pain only comes from past and future in your in your psyche. So if you can stay fully present, it's just experience. It's not. You know, any anyway, so there's lots of very very real things you know at some pretty sophisticated and subtle levels about how do you get clear and then you know also a lot of spiritual practices and self-development work and so forth where I realized you know there were a lot of things of patterns that if I could get clear about that if I could complete that if I could finish that if I could you know uh, if I could resolve that get clarity about that or whatever I suddenly had much clearer space and you know which I just I love that experience and then I as I got involved in the professional world and also, you know, looking around for what kind of profession. You know, I, I, I didn't know what I wanted to do when I grew up. Uh, well, I like to come into places and, and look around and go, oh, well, gee, you could do this a lot easier if you did this to that. So I would, I've always been to the easy. You know, I'm not a, I'm not a motivational speaker. I don't wake up early in the morning. I sleep as long as I can. You know? you know, I'm not into rah, rah. You know, yeah, that's fine. It's cool to be passionate, but passion is highly overrated. You know, as passionate as you get, you're going to be that depressed. <laughs> so, you know, I like little little, small little things that you start to build in so life just happens a lot easier for you. It gives you more room, more room to play, more room to be spontaneous, be creative. And that's, so that I guess that was a prime driver. And then when I started to run across some of these techniques and experience that, because as my life got more sophisticated and complex, uh, then I found that could disturb clear space, you know, pretty easily. So, how do, you, how do you still be in this world that can be very fast moving, fast changing, and, and huge volume and not be of it? How, how can I be in it but not be wrapped around it, like tied around it? And, and how can I stay clear and, and surf on top of it? So, I've, I guess that's, and that's still, and gee, how much clearer can I be? What are the cooler things we can do so that we can still be even freer, more spontaneous, and even produce more value simply by showing up? And letting you know, letting us become channels for intelligence and intuitive, um, you know, spirit-driven stuff that shows up in all different kind of forms.
0: It's amazing, amazing. I, I mean, what else? What else do you do? Like, you you write, you consult, you do uh, training, you do coaching. Is there anything else that that you you guys do? Uh, <laughs> you I smell do flowers. the flowers. <laughs>
1: yeah, nice. I do flowers. I love flowers. That's great. <laughs> and you know, we we decided that to learn Amsterdam, we decided as a lifestyle, you know, sort of. Exp- uh, Sort of change and and a project. Catherine and I decided let's go learn a city, let's go move and get out of sort of U.S. centricity in terms of our thought process. And there were some good business reasons also to be in Europe. And so we said, you know, here. So every every day we try to do something, learn something, or whatever and experience kind of a, do a deep dive into a culture and its DNA. And and, so, and w- what cooler place than Amsterdam, oh, as you know, I know. you know, to, to, to do that exploration. So, you know, that's really a hobby in and of itself. We love good food and wine. We're foodies. Um, and, you know, we love just taking great walks with our Cavalier King Charles Spaniel and just, you know, experiencing the, the relaxation of the world. So in a way, you know, at age 69 now, you know, it's kind of the easier and simpler it is the more elegant, you know, the experience becomes.
0: I love it. I love it. Well, I, I mean we, we are here to talk about the you know, this intrusion in technology. And and uh, I mean I, I'm fully ensconced in this. I carry devices everywhere and and I'm 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 no more than inches away from a screen at every, any given point in time during the day. Um, and you you brought up these themes that I'm very interested in around distraction, right? And 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 uh, and the ability to clear your mind when pings are going off and and you know notifications are happening and you know I've got a watch that tells me when an email or a text message. I mean, it just it's it's incredible what is going on right now with the amount of information that that you you have and and I have implemented a lot of your advice around uh, removing notifications from my screen. Don't get distracted by pop ups and bings and pops and 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 all of those kind of things. But this world that we live in... Why not? Why not? Why not? Why not get distracted?
1: Well, nature is the most uh, relaxing place in the world, and it has more data than any other place you could be. True, true. You know, technology is a, is a, is a, is a rudimentary um, equivalent, essentially, of what nature gives you all the time. That's <laughs> true. So, so you should get, be getting more input and get more relaxed. <laughs> here's the problem yes <laughs> but no no but I, I i think everybody ought to spin that one yeah because you really and you know all the kids that are doing all this stuff its just because they're not out in nature they're yes. looking for all those different horizons of input because if you want to go crazy take away it all it's called sensor deprivation it's so we're deprived That, yeah we're we're actually looking for that kind of stimulus here's the problem the biggest problem is it's not information you know, if that was, you'd walk into a library and die. The first time you connected the web, you'd explode. Yes. Right? The problem is potentially meaningful stuff. You're avoiding deciding what it means to you, but it might mean something important.
0: Gotcha.
1: Right? So it's the hidden stuff. It's the hidden berries and bears and thunderstorms and snakes inside of all those emails. Right? Inside of all those things. And all those things, wow. I could, there might be, there could be potentially meaningful stuff out there I'm not seeing. Oh my God, their kids are getting these classes. Uh, I don't know, if I'm not giving my kids these classes. So are they going to get behind? They're not going to get into Harvard. Oh Jesus, we need to be surfing 75 different, you know, it's the stress of opportunity now, which is one of the reasons, you know, it opened the floodgates of all kinds of ways to be distracted. A very simple way to solve that is light your house on fire. <laughs> no, physically. And, you know, give a crap about all the rest of the stuff because it gets you highly focused on one thing. So the good news about all this plethora of stuff that's distracting and potentially distracting is it's going to force you to start to understand what's meaningful to you and what's not. Why are you doing That's why I say, why, why does that bother you? There's got to be a reason that bothers you. The reason that bothers you is there are things you want in life to experience sure. or get to for which that distraction is taking you away from that. And that's an incompletion inside of you you're going to have to deal with. Yeah. So it, all it's doing is to, taking it to a more subtle level to get let people be aware of what's not clear inside of you. What has your attention now about that? Come on, there are worse ways to. You know, a, a great hobby is surf the web or you know productivity porn. Let me go surf. Let me go find three more ways to do GTD with the new apps <laughs> right. that's showing up this week. Why, well, what the heck? Why not? There are worse ways to spend your time. You know, you might as well do, just but look at it as a hobby but if your hobby is getting in the way of your career or the relationship with your kids or your health sure then you need to step up to another horizon to say wait a minute I got commitments at these levels I need to pay attention to you know and therefore I'm going to let that stuff go but you know come on uh, you know let's get down to the practicality of it i've been in the mobile digital world since before a lot of people looking at this were born mm-hmm. you know i got i got I got an ibm xt and a radio shack model 100 and got onto easy link in, <laughs> in 19 in 1983 right so my whole world has lived off of mobile yeah like of course why not and by the way if you're the only person with a spreadsheet and the word processor and mob- and email you'll smoke the world. Exactly. The problem, is, the problem is the rest of the world has all that too. <laughs> they, they all
0: caught up, David. That's the problem.
1: So, right. So if you want to stay involved and stay up on the front end, then you know some part of you has to decide you, you're, you're going to need to probably play in that game as well. So did it increase productivity? On some grander scale, probably, like the telephone did or like the railroad did or like the steam engine did or like any of that stuff did. You know, for sure. I mean, the fact that you and I can talk like this and I'm in Amsterdam and you're in Ottawa and, you know, we could have people from all over. the. My staff, small little staff, is all over the world. Yeah. You know, and my gosh, does that increase productivity? Well, yeah, there are a whole lot more people experiencing GTD in the world right now simply because of the technology that we have and utilizing it that way. Not only that, you know, if I can, if I've got my iPad with me and I can delete a bunch of junk mail while I'm standing in line somewhere so I don't have to deal with that junk mail when I'm back and want to do more meaningful things in my office, come on, of course that increases your productivity. Yeah. But if you're in your office and then getting wrapped around your iPad and, you know, doing all kinds of dorky stuff that you get running down those rabbit trails, you know, you have to decide yourself whether that's good or bad or whether that's relaxing or contracting.
0: But is that, is that uh, you know, I, I think that what, what technology has done, is you know, these devices that we carry, that, and maybe distraction is a bad word, but, but it's, it's kind of, it's blurred those lines, right? I, I think that if you're not equipped with the methodology to understand the, the difference between what is um, uh, a hobby versus what is your business, right? You, you know, I think of being productive. So the methodology around or the thinking around GTD would be listen I'm going to I'm going to learn about the tools that I need to be able to implement so that I can be more productive in my work. So therefore it's my work. So that that line of work versus hobby is blurred because my heart is in the right place to go and find a tool to help me implement but so that I can be more productive at work. But but there's no there's no linear line. <laughs>
1: here's, that, here's how far away the tools are. I know
0: exactly. I got one in my hand.
1: <laughs> here's how far away they are. And again, productivity porn is not a bad hobby. I mean, what the heck? Yeah. You know, there are worse, worse ways to do it. But you just need the tools that you need. So you only think about getting organized when you don't really care about what you're doing.
0: So you use it as a, a painter.
1: A painter, does a painter get organized? Does a cook, chef get organized? Yeah. Hey, there's mise en place. I mean, I'm sorry. If you're going to be a chef, you must absolutely. You talk about rigor of having the right places in the right time. But they don't think about getting organized as a chore. That's required to do the work they need to do. So you just need to, you know, you need to make sure you got the tools to do the work you need to do, right? Now, you can keep, you know, as a chef, you can keep experimenting with how many cool knives are there. And there's the Japanese versions and there's the German versions and the, the whatever. And at some point, you want, to, you want to find a really good one. There is a strange paradox here, Rob, with all this, which is the more you really get GTD, the less the tool matters. At the same time, the more you really get GTD, the more the tool is critical. <laughs> that you have the right one and that it's the coolest. You know, and it does all the stuff you wants to do.
0: <laughs> well, I, I mean, what has been the impact? Like, do, you must get a lot of that with, with your coaching and your, your education pieces and, and feedback from the book. And, and I mean, when it, when it comes to these tools, like, has a smartphone been a good thing for this? for your methodology has the talent but
1: but quite frankly the palm pilot was the coolest smartphone there was in terms of list manager wicked it was wasn't it cool it was the best thing ever (laughs) nobody has really recreated that the ease of the of access and 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 input like the palm did yeah with that little stylus man
0: (laughs) (laughs) so perfect whole different
1: language i know it was so great yeah you know, interestingly, so, but you know, it, it's all going the right direction. It's just, and piece, people are coming up with various components of things that are kind of cool. What's really needed is a way to integrate all that with a dashboard. Yeah. And that, that's the, the project I'm on with intentional software right now. It's a long term sort of research project about is there a next gen of software that actually will change the game? And do, do you Word think processor that- changed the game? Yeah. Spreadsheets changed the game. Yeah. Nothing has changed the game in terms of list management.
0: No. And there's a billion of them out there that do the yeah. same thing. Uh, but, but, my point about, about Evernote is, is a perfect example is that, I, I mean, I catalog, I scan, I, I, I take photos of all my receipts. I put them all up in the cloud. I put, they're all up there. Um, and then what's lacking is that is, is as you said it's input only is is the benefit it almost seems because I'm putting I'm doing these things but yeah. it's not coming back to me um, in in the way that I would assume that it would as a result of uh, of implementing a methodology uh, are we in, are we in risk you know during the web days David it was like this we we spent you, you know uh, people realized one day when you took a link away from a website that page disappeared from human view right you you can't do that with a book. You can't do that with a library. Um, you can't just take a book away and it disappears. Like you take a link away from a web page and, and that content disappears. And and you know I clear my brain and I put it up in the cloud and, and it, it in my mind it's dealt with. Um, but but really it's still lingering over there. But uh, you know it, it's out of sight, out of mind. It, does digital facilitate that a little bit more than than paper in front of me?
1: Well, it's all about trusted system. How much do you trust your system? Right. I mean, they're still very, very, very high level executives out there. Their whole system is 23 people. Yeah. They don't write anything down. Yeah. They just walk in, they're led here. Here's where you sit. Here's around the table. Here's a briefing on each one of those people. And then then they sit there and just, you know, uh, integrate information and then make decisions and then spit the results out. And they walk. Who was that masked man? No ripple in that water. Right. So there's no difference if you say, I trust that's now I've completed it. It's the results of that are parked somewhere I trust, or I don't care, either one. So there's no residue left in your psyche. So it's all really about what still has your attention. You know, at some point, everybody probably needs a Zen lesson of having a, you know, having it all blow up and you have to start again. Yes. You know, the detachment from data. You know that's a nice that's a nice lesson to learn once. <laughs>
0: right? No kidding. Yes, you can't just do, uh, fall back on that, can you? Every time. No. I think it's no. overwhelming. Like my no. inbox is overwhelming, and I and I always just think I control a delete right, but I can't. Like there's something holding me back. Sure. And maybe that's why the little pings that come on my phone just remind me that there's a thousand emails in there that have to be dealt with uh, yeah. at some point, right? Um.
1: Well, and, and, you know, just from an efficiency standpoint, it takes a lot less effort to maintain a zero base of backlog than it does a 5,000 base of backlog. Absolutely. You just have to decide what's backlog and what's data.
0: Yeah.
1: Right. So backlog says there's still something I need to think about or decide about or do with this that I have not clarified or decided or done yet. Uh, Whereas data is just, it's a data store. So what's a library? You know, I'm a pack rat. I've got... You know, on this computer, I've got th- two years worth of email. Why I can? I got room. Why not? <laughs> exactly. So, I can keep so I, it. So I'm not into dumping stuff. It's, you know, what the heck? And I got all kinds of photos in there. What the heck? Why not? It's fun. There's Why no, it? but I've no attention on it. You know, what I've certainly learned after 30 years is to decide. Wait a minute. Is there still something I want or need to do about this? As opposed to I just want it available as best I can, whatever, whatever I want it. Yeah. And and those, are the, you know, that's a clear front-end distinction about clarifying it so you know the whole five steps that that we've uncovered about how do you get stuff under control and focus first you have to decide you have to capture it so you have to identify what it is then you need to clarify what does it mean to you is that just data store is that just reference in case i need it is that something you still need to do something about is it something you might want to do something about later therefore it needs to be incubated is it something you don't need at all so you ought to trash it Or is it something that now even represents something bigger you're now committed to that you need to identify and put a stake in the ground about that? So this is all the executive decision-making that the GTD methodology identified. They didn't make it up. I just identified it because that's what everybody does anyway. It's how you get your kitchen under control or your company under control. As you go through these capture, clarify, organize, reflect, and engage, you go through those five stages in anything. If it's not totally on cruise control yet, that's how you get stuff on cruise control. We just identified what those steps were, but again, they don't happen by themselves.
0: No, no, and you know, we just went through the the process of uh, cleaning out uh, uh, my um, you know my childhood home's basement, and <laughs> you can imagine what that is like. Um, and the
1: potential my, rabbit trails of what's in that box. Oh, oh
0: my, my god. <laughs> My mother, my mother was an avid reader, right? So, uh, you know, and she kept every, every issue of National Geographic magazine since, since time began, right? And so just, uh, you know, there were eight tons of books in, in, in her basement. And, and we went through these books and, and every one of them. And I just looked up to my, my siblings and I said, like, guys, we're, we'll be here for years Like, it took 30 years to amass this. It'll take us 30 years to get rid of it all. We have to make these decisions that it's like, is this a value? Do we put it in this pile or this pile? And there are only those two piles, right? And so I was in there directing, based on your methodology, the same thing. It's like, pick it up once. And put it in a pile. Don't put it back down. Don't do anything with it. Just we have to make decisions on this. And if you've ever looked at your basement right now, whoever's watching this, go down and look at your basement. And that is what's going on in your brain right now. If you don't go through this methodology to be able to extract, right? Get rid of some of this stuff. A little bit of freedom. And then it realized when we did all of this that the, an empty basement was actually usable space. That's what. That's my. That's my analogy right there, David. It was just.
1: It's. It's not a. It's not just an analogy. It's an example. Yeah. Yeah, you know, well, that's a physical example, but it's exactly the same thing. I mean, as soon as you get your car washed, it drives better. <laughs> of course, of course, you feel. As soon as you, as soon as you clean up your hard disk, you know you're you're now you're ready to do email, and now you're ready to do more stuff. Sure. Exactly.
0: Let you shut it down for the day. Um, well, what about what about how does this does this do these tools impact? the way you move forward with what you're doing with GTD. You talked about software. Is there this perfect piece of software that is is going to help us um, alleviate this? Like I look at the GPS as as one of these, like it, it was manna from heaven. Uh, I'm terrible with directions. And I always used to think that directions clogged up your mind because for one moment I needed them. And then for the other uh, you know portion of my life, I don't need them. So now I have a GPS that I've offloaded that responsibility to. Is there a piece of software that is going to help us do that that's going to take pieces of what we don't need every day but remind us when we do?
1: Yeah. Yeah, that'll come. Okay. And you know, you could you could sort of cobble it together now if you wanted to. Call how often do I want to You have kids?
0: I do. I have two of them.
1: And what what are their names?
0: Uh, Jack and Ben. They're twin boys. They're 8 years okay. old. Okay. Yeah.
1: Right. How often do I want to be reminded about Jack? How often do I want to be reminded about Ben? What would I like to be reminded about when I am reminded about them?
0: Yeah.
1: Right? So you just need to build a context so that your brain adds value by saying, look, you know, wow, let me create a context for myself that I'm gonna. all I, all I was going to require is 60 seconds and I'll have a cool idea that will potentially add value to my relationship to Jack and Ben. Right? You can do that now. Because- you, you have to cobble it together. Right? as opposed to having that handed to you called, you know, hey, Rob, all you have to do is let's define your ecosystem of everything that's potentially meaningful to you, all the relationships potentially meaningful to you, and then let you start to build context about what you want to be reminded of when about those kinds of things. And once you make those decisions, here's where the results of that can go. So that, you know, basically, the use, ultimately, you'll still just need some sort of a list manager you know, in a way. But the thinking process, I, as I've always said, people are trying to get smaller and smaller, smaller and smaller, smaller, and their, their thinking is getting smaller and smaller, 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 smaller. So, you know, the things this size are for implementing what happens when I'm thinking big. So, I want to be thinking really big about this or that. I want to walk in and see a hologram. By the way, they're, they're just F- there's just FY sidebar. There's a huge Christmas tree hologram spinning in the Reichs Museum Cafe right now. Amazing! It's so, it is, how do they do that? It is really <laughs> amazing. Anyway, so but to be able to see something like that in my office, so when I say here's a thing, and it says, "Gee, David, every Friday afternoon at three o'clock, or every 16 days, I want to think about this," and then I'll see that there, and then it gives me all the tools to add to my thinking, to capture my thinking, to trigger my thinking. You know, because it would take you a good bit of mental horsepower to sit down and say, "What are all the things that might be potentially relevant for me to think about my kids? Mm-hmm. Their health, their school, their their favorite color, their hobbies. What cool things have I learned that I might want to teach them? What have they learned recently? I mean, come on, how many things? How good a parent could you be? Yeah. I mean, there's there's an end. There's no end to that game in terms of that. But when you to build templates and models for yourself say, "Okay, here's the cool things I want to think about," and I want to park that here so that you don't have to remember what to remember, right? So right now, it's still pretty labor-intensive cognitively to, I need to still remind myself what I need to look at when and in what context. Now, they're trying to do that, these location-based kinds of things. Hey, you're coming home, so see all your home stuff, but, they, you know, your life is so much more subtle and complex than that. Those things are very rudimentary and they're not really going to work. They're, they're really shelfware and probably will be for a while.
0: Yeah. I mean, you know, it's it's one thing to remember that, uh, to compartmentalize information about your kids so at the right time, and you can have those conversations or you can be reminded of them. It's another thing to walk up to your house and have your door unlock and your lights go on, right? Those are two different things, right? Because, <laughs> you know, I don't think often about how to unlock my door or how to open my garage door or how to turn on lights. That's instinctual, right? As you said, it's like, I that's not up here. That's just... That I just do it right right it's come to that point um, you know David I, I feel that I could I have this conversation as I'm sure many people say this to you all the time uh, for forever um, I'm very cognizant of your time uh, you said that you have a uh, a new version uh, the next uh, version of the book coming out that's going to be in March of 2015 am I right yeah. Yeah. Um, and then uh, what else uh, where where else can we send people to um, to find more information about what you are doing with getting things done and and uh, David Allen
1: Well, gettingthingsdone.com is our company's website. There's a lot of stuff, a lot of free things there, a lot of things to surf around. If you haven't seen it lately, we've sort of rebranded ourselves and become much more kind of authentic and real and comfortable and relaxed and spontaneous, which is really what this is about as opposed to sort of the old corporate image of productivity and so forth. So I invite everybody to go there, and you'll see lots of stuff going on. Well, you know what? You're we're starting to franchise our work around the world now. So we're getting, you know, we're now certifying trainers, you know, in, in 50 countries so that we have exclusive franchisees. So we've been building for the last two to three years an exportable version of sort of a global set of our training program of getting things done. And we're starting to certify folks all over. Another reason for me being in Europe, we're getting a good bit of traction for that here. So if you go to our website, you'll see who our franchisees are and you'll see, you know, trainings available around this that it's now starting to spread around the world. And that's cool. It's been did, a big vision.
0: Yeah. Did you ever think, as you were going through this process, that that this is where you would end up? Uh, you know, with with you know doing certifications and franchises around the world for this methodology.
1: You know, I I never knew how to do that, and yeah. and I I wasn't into. I, I'm not particularly entrepreneurial or aspirational in the sense of building some big company or whatever. My whole thing was to to. Figure out the methodology, and then be as efficient and lazy as I could to find what's the best way to distribute this, you know, to as many people as, as might want it. And just trying to figure that out, and to, to figure out a business model that could still support that. Yeah. You know, with this essentially, uh, you know, it's a bit of open source here. I mean, it's all in the first book. If you just read the book, you know, <laughs> there's a lot of stuff there. So, so, but but we know and have known for years that that the more people engage with this to be able to support them with this process. Uh, from a training aspect and a coaching aspect and a follow-on aspect and a support aspect, that—that's really the you know the business that I'm in and trying to figure out how better to do that so we can reach more and more people. Because golly, how many, you know, this is not like running with scissors here. I mean, this is this is there's we there's no cultural bias, no no gender bias, no personality bias. Anybody who's got to keep track of more than one thing, they then they can finish in the moment they think of it. Needs this methodology, and and it's it's becoming more of a of a have to have instead of a nice to have. So it's kind of nice to be positioned to be able to do that. I've known from the beginning that this methodology had that power because I watched it happen without fail with every single individual that we did this with and as we started to put this into a training format to just watch how many people just truly changed their lives. For those who, you know, some people go, "Ho hum, I don't need this." Yeah. But those who caught it, you know, and had ears to hear oh, and the need, I guess, you know, at the same time for and the usefulness of it. Uh, you know, it's like it's, ch- it's changed all kinds of lives out there. So, you no, know, it's fascinating. I, you know, I, I try to approach a lot of stuff in my life with high anticipation but no expectation. I don't, you know, I don't like, I, 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 I hate disappointment, you know, and I don't like that. So, you know, as long as, so I had no idea. I just needed to write the book because by that time I knew it worked and I knew it was unique. And uh, I just needed to write the manual in case I got run over by a bus, at least to be there.
0: It's <laughs> great. It's great. Yeah. Now, you hate disappointment. Well, you have landed on, on TV, so this may be the, the <laughs> first one. Um, well, what about uh, mobile tools? You know, we spend a lot of time around, around productivity. Applications and and what the impact of, of mobile is going to be on that. But what about mobile tools for for you guys? Do you, do you look at at training tools? I, I know you guys do podcasting, do videos, but do you guys look at at, at ways to support you know um, GTDers um, uh, or uh, trainers or those kind of things through these mobile platforms? Do you look at this as well as a business yeah, opportunity? Yeah. yeah, No, as a
1: matter of fact, I just looked at a at a startup uh, this afternoon here in Amsterdam. You know, that's a tool for. Uh, for coaches to be able to then customize their own coaching support for people on their mobile devices and, and so forth. Yeah, I know there's a lot of that stuff out there and a lot of it's shown up certainly in the last two or three years uh, has been there. So we're not there yet. Mm-hmm. You know, We are in the process of researching you know, on, on, on a self-paced online learning for GTD so yeah. that, because there are so many people around the world that can't get to a live training or we've got big corporate clients that have global... Reach out there, and they want to be able to get everybody be able to get on the same page with the same common lexicon, and and you know the the GTD uh, thought process embedded in a culture makes a huge difference to the culture. So those that are that catch that want to be able to have these kind of distribution tools. But I'm I, you know I'm 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 still the jury's out as far as I'm concerned in terms of how much I'm actually going to use this to train myself about anything.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, you know, uh, but we'll see.
0: I, I think that it's a measured approach. A lot of people go in there um, thinking that it's going to change the world. I think that it has changed the world. Uh, you, you know, and and I think that there's certain aspects that has done very, very, very well. Certain aspects it hasn't done very well. But, I mean, what I do with Untethered TV from an audio and video standpoint is that, uh, you, you know, there's nothing more personal, and you know this, than being inside of somebody's head, in their ears, listening to something like this, you know, an, an affirmation uh, of some sort. Uh, you know, and, and I think that that, People listening to this—it's—it's a—it's such a close relationship that we create as a result of understanding the voice and the video creates this personalized. They—they they recognize people who are on the on 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 tethered TV, and I think that there's there's something to, to, to that extent. And people forget that that mobile doesn't mean you have to you know write lines of code it just means that you have to be on the device and you have to give people an opportunity to take you with them and and you know the first step i always think about is exactly what you're doing the podcasts and and the videos hey you know what that's that's a mobile endeavor uh if you do it properly and and you create awareness which obviously you, you know how to do quite quite effectively so
1: sure well I think it also has a lot to do with somebody's life and work style yeah. in terms of are you do you put yourself in context where you actually have time to listen to this yeah, or yeah. watch this yeah. you know so and that's you know that, that's that's very different you know I, I, I love listening to, to books auditorially but yeah. I almost don't don't ever do it at all because I'm never in a context where I've got that long a period of time yeah. where that's all that, where that's all I'm doing. Yeah. Where I don't have something more more valuable or a higher priority for me to do, so I just don't have that kind of a lifestyle or context yet. But I get what you're saying, and for sure, no kidding. I mean that's why now having pretty much a virtual company. So these are these are like our business conversations and so forth, and it helps hugely to have webcams and to be able to see people. Yeah. It makes a ton of difference, you know. As you know, you big know, impact. Do that. So so I, I agree with you. I that that's made a huge difference out there, and probably will continue to. Uh, the more real it kind of becomes.
0: I love it. Well, I was I was reaching back here, uh, and I don't, but I have a whole bunch of um, I give as gifts. Uh, you have you had a little wallet that you have uh, a little um, uh, pad in with a little tiny pen. Um, exactly. Exactly. so mine is sitting over in the corner, I, I, I give them as gifts because I, I think that it's so such a a small thing that has a huge impact when you can unload something like that and and uh, I, sure. I, I cannot go on, on um, unsaid because they are amazing <laughs> little tools that uh, that you got you have created and and you can find more information about this at getting things done. For those of you out there who haven't, like I implore you, go and pick this book up and and start start this journey now. and for those of you who have it sitting on the shelf, Go and pick it up and read it again. Um, you, you know, you'll learn something every time you read it. It's one of those things like Gary Vaynerchuk's "Crush It" and Tim Ferriss' uh, "The Four Hour Workweek." It is a yearly read for me, just to refocus and recenter. I think that everybody should be doing this, especially uh, you know, after listening to this, I'm going to sit back and it's my first first book for uh, for 2015. David, I, I can't thank you enough for uh, for being a part of Untethered.tv, for lending your time here. Uh, I truly appreciate it, and, and your insight, as always, uh, masterful. Thank you for being a part of this.
1: My pleasure, Rob. Best of luck and safe travels and good health to all of you out yes,
0: there. Yes, you too. Enjoy Amsterdam. We've been speaking okay. with David Allen, the author uh, and um, of, of, of many things, but the author of uh, Getting Things Done, the practitioner, uh, GTD guy on, on uh, Twitter. Go to gettingthingsdone.com. David Allen... Thank you so much. Folks out there listening, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, you made it this far. Thank you. It means the world to me that you put me in your head like this each and every week. Thank you. And we'll see you again next time on untether.tv. Thanks, David.